This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Praise the Lord for that message and song. How we need that, don't we? And thank you, Sam, for that wonderful picture behind us of uh, Jesus holding a little girl uh, lovingly on his shoulder. We can draw near to the Lord and know his personal, caring, warm embrace of love. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we need that close walk with you. We need to draw near to you, and in drawing near to, know, to you, to know the joy of being in your presence. Thank you that you are with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is known as the Comforter, and he comforts us. And Lord, we pray that today's message would be a comfort to everyone who hears it. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, today's message in our last service, our last sermon on Ruth, which is adjusting to a new normal, is this, that we have gone through this coronavirus, we're going through this coronavirus, and it's throwing us for a loop. I don't know about you, but it's changed my schedule completely. And uh, everything I used to do, I can't do, and, and now I've got to figure things out in a new way. Same with you, I'm sure. Okay, well, the book of Ruth, I have boiled down to four statements, one statement per chapter. Chapter one of Ruth is, you have a choice. What happened with Ruth? Her husband died. Her father-in-law died. Her sister-in-law's husband died. There's a lot of death around her. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, said, we're going to Bethlehem. From Moab, where Ruth lived, she was going back to, uh, going to Bethlehem with Naomi. She had a choice. She could choose to be bitter or she could choose to be better. And she chose to walk by faith. She chose to commit herself to the God known as Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. And you have a choice. Life is how much percent of what happens to you? That's right, 10% of what happens to you. Life is 10% what happens to you, and what percent of how you respond to it? 90% of how you respond to it. Boy, you guys are really listening in and learning. Remember that what happens to you is only 10%, but how you respond to it makes all the difference. Ruth responded by faith, and God blessed her choice. Ruth chapter 2, you have a purpose. When Ruth got to Bethlehem, she immediately started to work and work hard, and work because Naomi depended upon her. 
here's two widows, Ruth and Naomi, and Ruth is the younger one, and she's working to scratch out a living for her and Naomi. She had a purpose, and God was leading her in fulfilling an even greater purpose because God led her of all fields that she could have worked in to work in the field of Boaz, who happened to be a relative of Naomi's husband and was therefore qualified to be a kinsman redeemer. And that brings us to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3 is, you have a redeemer. Boaz was approached by Ruth, as Naomi instructed her to do, and he said, yes, I'll be your kinsman redeemer if the one who's closer to you in relation doesn't claim you first. I'll have to check with him. And that's what today's sermon is going to be about. But the point here is that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer to Naomi and to Ruth, exactly like Jesus is a kinsman redeemer to you and to me. Aren't you glad we have a redeemer and his name is Jesus? That's right. Jesus became human, became part of our family, became part of our kin so that he could redeem us, so that he could save us, that he could deliver us from the trouble we're in. Jesus is your Redeemer. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, trust in him, and he'll save you from your sin, and he will give you a new life, and you will head to heaven. That's wonderful. We have a Redeemer. So today's message is entitled, You Have a Future. Chapter 4, if you were to summarize it in its major thrust, is You Have a Future. And it has everything to do with discerning God's will. How do you discern God's will when your world gets turned upside down? When everything is topsy-turvy? When there's chaos instead of things being in control? How do you determine God's will? Can I just have you exercise your scripture memory and go over two key verses in the book of Romans? In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, For we know that God works all things for good for those who are called, love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise about your future and mine. It means that God takes all things, including the corona pandemic, including being sheltered in, including having to wear a mask, God takes all things, and he's working it together. He's mixing it together. Some things are not good in and of themselves, but he mixes it with good so that everything works out for our ultimate good. And that ultimate good in verse 29 of Romans 8 says, so that we might be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So God is using everything for the ultimate good of shaping us in Christ. Someone said that whenever bad things happen, they're for one of two purposes. One, to bring us to the Lord if we don't know him. Or two, to bring us closer to the Lord in conforming us to the image of his son if we do know him. So there's a purpose and a reason for this. The second memory verse I want you to look at with me or think about is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed 
to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove and approve the good and perfect will of God. You see, God's will for you is good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. And the only way you can prove it out and, and approve of it as you look back 2020 is by renewing your mind with his word. When you renew your mind with God's word, you can discern that God is working all things for good in your life. And you can say, wow, Lord, I am living out your purposes for me and you have drawn lines in pleasant places in my life. <clears throat> can you say that? Can you say that the Lord has drawn lines in pleasant places in your life? The closer you draw yourself to God and look through his word, the more you can see how he's taken everything in your life. Nothing has been wasted, but he's taken everything in your life, whether it's been good or bad, whether you've made mistakes or you wandered away from him for a time, God has taken all of it, and he's mixing it together for your ultimate good of conforming you to the image of Christ, and you get to prove out his will, and you get to approve of his will that it's good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. Now with that in mind, let's look at Ruth chapter 4. First of all, it's all about testimony. At the end of this pandemic, you're going to have a testimony. And I hope your testimony is going to be a positive testimony where you tell of your story of how God led you to adjust to the new normal that we're in now. You could have a bad testimony. You gave up. You buried your head under a blanket. And you wished it to go away. And you struggled with depression. Well, that's not a great testimony of living by faith. God wants you to live by faith and have a good testimony. How do you have a good testimony? Number one, discern God's will. Discern God's will. Do the right thing. In the case of Boaz, he had said to Ruth, I'm going to have to check if the kinsman who's closer in relation to Naomi's husband, Elimelech, wants to buy his property and recover his inheritance and marry you before I'm cleared to be able to do that. If he passes, then I can do it. If he does, doesn't, he takes it, then I'm sorry, it's his. So verse 4 of chapter 4, Boaz said, I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. Boaz did the right thing. He went to the most qualified kinsman redeemer. He said, look, I've got witnesses around here, the elders at the gate, and I want to make sure you know that you have first right at claiming Elimelech's inheritance and taking over his estate. Verse 4b says, if you redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I'm next in line. So Boaz is doing the right thing. And I don't think he has his fingers crossed, but you know what I, I'm saying? He's kind of hoping against hope that this kinsman redeemer will take a pass, 
that he will say, no, I won't redeem it. But instead, this kinsman redeemer says, yeah, I will buy, I will take over the inheritance of Elimelech. He says, I will redeem it. At that, Boaz's heart must have sunk because he was trying to discern God's will. But he made something very clear to this kinsman. He said in verse 5, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, the surviving widow of Elimelech, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. So, oh yes, uh, by the way, there's a catch. There's some fine print in this contract. You can get Elimelech's land and all of the, his belongings, but you also have to marry Ruth and continue on the family line of Elimelech. At that, the kinsman says, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it. I cannot. I mean, he didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And back then, to symbolize that he was doing a legal transaction, he removed his sandal and he gave it to Boaz. That was a symbol that he was turning over his first right to claim Elimelech's land and inheritance, and he was passing it on to the next qualified kinsman redeemer, who would be Boaz. Do you see what Boaz did? Boaz sought to discern God's will. You and I need to seek to discern God's will. What is he doing and what does he want us to do? And we need to do things right. We need to do things in order. We need to make sure that the first person gets the right to pick. And if they don't pick, then we choose next. But we have to do the right thing at the right time in the right way with the right motive and we'll get the right results. Discern God's will. Second, confirm God's will. We need to have the right motive. Verse 9. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are my witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. So those, that's the two sons of Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. So he confirmed out of the right motive, and here's the motive spelled out for us in verse 10. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's uh, widow as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Do you hear what's going on? Not only did Boaz do the right thing in confirming God's will, he did it with the right motive. He said, so that there will be an ongoing line or heritage continued by me marrying Ruth and by Ruth having a child, Malon's posterity will continue. He will still have a family name. I want to do the right thing, and I want to do the right thing for the right reasons. That 
is what Boaz is saying here. And he's confirming God's will by saying, you, those elders at the gate, are my witnesses. Everyone's nodding their head and saying, yes, Boaz, you're doing the right thing the right way with the right motives. How about you? God wants you to do the right thing with the right motives. What are your motives? If your motives are to glorify the Lord, then you're correct. If your motives are to be comfortable and to be convenient and to be selfish and to just hunker down um, and waste away, uh, that is not a great motive. Desire to seek the Lord. Desire to glorify the Lord. Desire to do the right thing with the right motive. And then thirdly, affirm God's will. Have the right response. Now watch this, verse 11. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. You may remember that Rachel and Leah were the husband, uh, wives of Abraham, and by them and their con two concubines, uh, they pro produced 12 sons to Abraham, and those 12 sons, uh, excuse me, uh, to uh, uh, Isaac, to um, uh, Jacob, excuse me, and those became the 12 tribes of Israel. So Israel came into existence because of Rachel and Leah, and here the people are saying, we wish for you that Ruth will be very uh, fertile and produce a famous son in the history of Israel. They are saying with a right response, we rejoice with you, Boaz. It goes on to say in verses 11 and 12, may you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. These are all famous biblical references wishing upon Boaz and Ruth wedding blessings. May you be fruitful and multiply, and again, may your progeny be famous in Israel. And verse 13, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. Okay, now this book has been building in suspense. You know there's going to be a phenomenal ending, and it doesn't disappoint, because the punchline to the book of Ruth is this, that in chapter 4, we see that we are to learn God's will. We're not just to discern God's will and confirm God's will and to um, um, celebrate God's will. We're to learn God's will with the right sight, see what God is doing. Verse 17, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. 
And Ruth and Boaz named this son Obed. And Obed, it says in verse 17, was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of whom? Jesse was the father of David. Praise the Lord. This is marvelous in our sight. When you look with God's eyes at what he's doing, it's amazing. God wants to bring beauty out of ashes. God wants to bring order out of chaos. God wants to bring um, uh, fruit out of barrenness. God is in the business of redeeming and restoring and blessing beyond whatever we could ask or imagine. Here's the punchline of the book of Ruth. That God brought a Moabite who is a foreigner into the line of, uh, to have David, which is the line of the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus, if you look at uh, the Gospels and his genealogy, has listed in there Ruth. Isn't that the grace of God? That God took a Moabitess who had faith in him, and he included her in the line of the Messiah. Ruth was the great-great-grandmother of King David. Wow, that's incredible. By the way, some of you have great-great-grandkids, don't you? I'm just amazed at how many of you are not just grandmas or grandpas, you are great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers, and you're, you have uh, several generations that you can see, and you wonder what this little baby is going to become. You wonder what this teenager is going to become. And it's just glorious that God is unfolding his purposes and plans for your family. You have a future because God is working in your life, He's working through your life, and he's working through the family that you have created, the family that you've been a part of, your descendants. So when you pray for your son or your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your great-grandson, your great-granddaughter, you are praying, God, your will be done in their lives. And you don't know how God is unfolding his plan through your relatives. Now, sometimes you have your doubts and your questions, and some of them have not walked with the Lord, and some have gone away from the Lord. But guess what? God isn't done yet. Keep praying for them. I'm a pastor because my grandmother prayed for me to be a man of God when I was still in my mother's womb. And she died a month before I was born. So praise God. She didn't know I was going to become a pastor. But her future is being lived on. There's a memorial walking around on two legs glorifying the Lord because of my grandmother who prayed for me. You pray for your grandkids. You pray for your great-grandkids. You pray for your great-great-grandkids. God blessed Ruth and Boaz to be the great-great-grandparents of the famous King David. So as I said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we not only get to live out God's will, we get to look back at God's will 
and give two thumbs up that God does all things well. Amen? God does all things well. You think, wow, I just made a big ink spot on my favorite kerchief. And an artist comes and makes a beautiful design out of that ink spot that you thought ruined your kerchief. God is working all things for good. He's stirring all things together for good for you. You have a future and a hope. God says, I have a future and hope for you, not for evil, but for good. Trust in him, because he's working everything out. You may not see it right now. You may have a very limited perspective of today, or this weekend, or just this month. But God has a long-term perspective. He sees your life, he sees the life of the people who come from you, and God is doing a generational working out. And we forget that. We think, oh, my life is over. No, it's not. You had a major impact. You still have a major impact. And your prayers have a major impact. Keep on praying for your relatives. Keep on praying for God to work all things for good in your life and in the lives of your household. Because God hears those prayers. God is sovereign. God is working all things for good. Do you believe that? He's working all things for good according to his purposes for those who love him. I know you love him. I know you say your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and you mean it. And God is more than happy to show you what he's doing in his due time. Some of it you'll look back and say, wow, God, I can't believe how you worked everything out to bring me to this point. Some of it, you'll never understand why it happened. But when you get to heaven, you're going to look back and see why certain things happened the way they did and how God used it all for the ultimate good of conforming you to the image of Christ. You have a future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we do have a future and a hope. And our future and our hope is through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins. Forgive us of all of our sins. We believe in Jesus, that he rose from the dead. Thank you for giving us the gift of eternal life through faith in him. And Lord, thank you that we do have a future, that you are working all things for good. We thank you that we could prove out and approve of your good, perfect, and acceptable will. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being involved in our lives. And Lord, right now we pray for our families. We pray for our kids. We pray for our grandkids. We pray for our great-grandkids and our great-great-grandkids to come. We pray blessing upon them. We pray they would turn to Jesus by faith. We pray that they would glorify your holy name and that they would be famous in your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, 
you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.